Welcome everyone to the Inspired Jewish Woman podcast, a place to come together to meet other passionate Jewish women from around the globe. We here value unity and we come together from different backgrounds, places and stages in life. We focus on what unites us being a Jewish woman. We believe that every woman has a beautiful and unique light to shine to our community and to the world. In these podcast interviews, we find the light in others, and we learn from everyone. These are the topics that matter most to you and empower you to be the inspired Jewish woman that you want to be. Enjoy the podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome back. I have such a fabulous guest joining me today. Wendy Margolin. Wendy is a mother, a wife, a business owner, a blogger, a bike rider, a runner, a dog mom. I mean, she's so much. And I am so excited for you to be here with us. We have an exciting conversation today, but I do feel like every conversation with you is pretty exciting, Wendy. <laughs> That's so sweet. <laughs> I feel really grateful to have met you and always inspired speaking to you. So yeah. I really look at you as such a beautiful light. Thank you. Coming from me, that really means a lot, obviously. And I think everyone listening would totally agree with you. I know you both listen to Rachel Hollis a lot. So she always talks about your goals as if they happened, right? And I actually heard in preparation for Rosh Hashanah during the month of Elul that I don't want to quote who it was. It was either Ramban or Rambam who says that you should think about your goals as if they happened. He didn't say that specifically, but I was in a class with Rabbi Ruben Brand, who's a Rosh Kolel here in Chicago. And that was what he was talking about. But that idea of just call yourself inspired or just call yourself who you want to be, that really speaks to me. And visioning who you want to be, and then you have a greater chance of becoming that. That's so beautiful. It all relates to that. I mean, in trying to change habits or in trying to become bigger or greater or grow in any area in life, our sages tell us that when we do something again and again and again, it becomes our nature. Okay, so let's get started because we're going to be talking about some pretty incredible things. And I think a lot of women will be able to relate to these topics. We want to talk about finding balance. You've mentioned to me in the last four years or so, you've been building your business. And it was a shift because for the decade before you were raising your kids. I do marketing. I've always been in communications. So I have worked since I left college after a year in Israel. And then I right away started working and I worked ever since I had kids. But I was fortunate to be able to be part-time. And then in the past four years, I've had my kids all in school full-time. So I have been full-time and I launched my business. So I took my my, like side hustle as they call it. I left my part-time job and I really dove into my business. So tell us a little bit about that. I'm sure it's complicated. I'm sure there are many feelings as a mom. Yeah, for sure. Letting go of being more accessible to them and now making this shift, as you called it, it's like the pendulum swing. Yeah, yeah. I have a way of like remembering ideas, but not the full structure of it. So I can't remember who said it, but I definitely was hearing about balance in a way that really spoke to me that it's this pendulum. So when I had my first three, I have four kids. So my first three are each two years apart. So I had kids age four and under at one point. And all I cared about was my kids. I was working 
I had a great job. I was at a, a newspaper and I totally enjoyed it. I got a lot out of it, but like my priority was always get home, get that one o'clock train. I would have a fit if a meeting went over, you know, I'd be like stewing inside because I just needed to get home to them. And it was an easier time to balance work and being a mom because there weren't smartphones really until my son, who's now nine. I didn't have a smartphone until he was a toddler, maybe. I feel really fortunate to have been able to be a working mom at that time where my boss had to get on the phone and I didn't necessarily always answer if he wanted to reach me. And that's not a lot of time. It's just wild how much our world and raising kids in this world has changed between you know, my oldest and my youngest are eight years apart to the day. They have the same birthday, but I was a very different parent mm. because their lives have really followed the digital media, just total revolution. It's kind of sad in a way. I mean, we're multitasking. Yes, we're doing work right after we give birth and it's amazing and all that, but I think we are missing out in a way. I think that there's always good and bad with everything. I mean, so many people are out of work right now and that's a tremendous challenge, but I wonder how many more people would be out of work if we didn't have this digital revolution, you know? So, so there, there's just good and bad to everything. But speaking to that point of the pendulum and that balance, I wouldn't have planned this for my life, really. Like, I couldn't have pictured the way it turned out. But the way that it did so far is I've really had stages where, like, the kids were little, so my stage was really focused on them. Now they're bigger, and they still need me in totally different ways. But I have to just know this is my time to work on a business that I'm building. And that's my family, too, right? Like, I have two daughters, so I think about what it means to be their mom and setting the example for them that they could be part-time, they could be full-time, they could run a business. And my boys too, like they should know that my husband does the dishes at night. Like he does a lot of the cleanup because I been working the night hours for years. So there's parenting there too, even when you're doing something for yourself. It's not guilt-free. You know, you're constantly questioning yourself. Like my son who is nine and his friends where they have siblings around their age had a very different quarantine experience than my son who was the youngest and didn't really have a sibling to play with and didn't have a mom on the floor like I'm so done with Legos you know like I'm just not sitting on the floor with him anymore I did that I didn't do it for him so that's hard but I did that stage in my life I'm done with it That's so beautiful. I love how you could own it. I love how you could say, you know, I could do anything, just not everything at the same time. Like, yeah. And now I'm putting in building my profession, my future, whatever it is. I'll tell you, Wendy, I struggle with a lot of guilt. I don't know. It's, I think it's like a Jewish thing. I actually looked mm-hmm. it up. It's like this phenomenon mm-hmm. of, of guilt, yeah. like predominantly a Jewish thing. And the truth is, it's very known to be, but it's not. There's other religions that are more heavily steeped in guilt. And guilt could be very, very limiting. Not just limiting, like, yeah. Not positive. It could hold you back. If it's not mm-hmm. serving you, you got to let it go. For and sure. This work that I've been doing for a long time, I've worked with coaches on getting rid of guilt, just letting it go. And I think it's like many generations <laughs> coming down to me. Like, I feel like it's so ingrained in me. But if it's not serving you, you do need to let it go. So it's like holding both and realizing you can't do everything perfectly when you're doing so much all together. And there is a time for everything. It just reminds me of, I think one way to sort of sort through that guilt is like if you're able to visualize what you think you will feel like when you look back 
that's been a really motivating and decisive factor in my life. But it's always really hard to get away, to leave my family, leave my husband. I feel guilty. I keep getting to go to Israel. There's Actually, so much guilt in that room when you're with yeah. 200 women and they've all left yeah. their families. It takes, it takes about 24 yeah. hours until they're like, right. kids? What kids? <laughs> right. And my kids are like, you're going again, you know? And I'm leaving my clients and, but anything that's important that makes you struggle like that, if you can think, okay, well, in one month, in one year, in five years, whatever, like what's going to matter to me that I had to like shift everything around to make time for this. And maybe I didn't make as much income that month or that I did that trip that I influenced those women that they influenced me and that it moved my life forward. We tend to make decisions based on these short-term factors. But if you can think about that, where am I trying to get, then it, it sort of moves you beyond that stumbling yeah. block of the guilt, right? Right, it's so true. You know, in my interviews with so many women over the years, I've taken a couple hundred women on trips, and it's always the same conversation of guilt. I don't know, it's not the right time. It's never the right time, right? Right. And I've always told ladies, you know, you're not leaving your kids. You're going for your kids. Right, you're not for leaving sure. your marriage. You're going for your marriage. You're going to be a better mother, wife, person, friends, you're going to fill your battery. But that struggle is so real. And I think it's so Jewish, honestly, like just the mm -hmm. word Israel actually means to struggle, right? Struggle, yeah. With the angel. And the actual letters of Yisrael for a Jew, Yud, Shin, Resh, Aleph, Lamed, if you do a little mix around with the letters, it actually spells Li, Rosh, I have a head. I think for myself, <laughs> I struggle. It's such a that. good quality. So we could take that guilt, we could call it guilt, or we could call it like we're grappling because we know that there's something more. We're really like pushing ourselves and our growth and trying to like have this dialogue with God. Like, what is it all about? What am I meant to do over here? I want this and I want that. It's kind of aligning ourselves with our values again and again. So mm -hmm. I think it's pretty Jewish, actually. Maybe that's where the yeah. Jewish guilt comes from. Totally. But there's plenty of having to balance that need to still do things for yourself. Yeah, which is our next you know. topic that we wanted to talk about. And I really want you to share a little bit about what makes you a little different to your average, you know, <laughs> lady down the street from you. I did not grow up Orthodox. Since I was 20, I have been observant. I took a lot of parts of me and tried to sort of integrate them. So depending where you know me from, I'm not so weird. <laughs> Within the Orthodox world, it would be a little unusual to have feathers in your wig or to ride a bike or, I mean, there are women who ride bikes. I shouldn't like say that, but definitely when I started pulling my kids in a bike 13 years ago, I was quite a sight. I had like a burly on the back of my bike and did my errands, my shopping, like it's very Portland, but I'm in Chicago. So it only happens for me like four months of the year or so, but that was a really unusual sight. Before that, I've been running since I was 19. I followed my sister into running and She's a coach and an incredible athlete. So I do that. And that was unusual a long time ago. Now there are a lot of people that actually run in my neighborhood and everywhere. So I'm really happy to see that. Trendsetter Wendy. I don't know. And then seven years ago, we got a dog and everyone's got a dog now. <laughs> when you got it seven years ago, it's probably more unusual for your community. I have four kids, which I know to a lot of your viewers and listeners, that sounds like a lot, but of my friends, my age. I'm the only one that didn't go on, didn't have a fifth, sixth, or seventh. Wow. And I got a dog. Like, that was so weird. 
So wow. well, Wednesday, I think um, this is so important because I just <laughs> like being true to yourself and not just going through the motions and doing things because everyone's doing it, but really, really knowing your limits, what makes you tick. And doing what's right, I mean, you kind of remind me of like the daughters of Tzlafchad. These were like these biblical women that challenged <laughs> Moses and they were right. Like there's nothing wrong with going bike riding or going running or having a dog or having four kids. I mean, in the Torah, it just says, you know, have a boy and a girl. That would be great. You know, not everyone could even have kids, but it's a mitzvah mm -hmm. to have a boy and a girl. I mean, like you did your obligation. So tell me a little bit about what was going on in your mind as you're living your true life, doing <laughs> your thing. I mean, how do you block out all the noises and not feel like you're being judged, but just having this relationship with God and that's what's most important in front of you? So what's funny is I feel like a lot of your listeners would just go like, what's weird about running or biking or having a dog? Like that's really who I was. I grew up like that. Those were all normal things. Those were like interests of mine, passions of mine. And again, I think it's like kind of that pendulum in life. So I grew up in a certain way and I had interests and a pretty much a formed adult when I became Orthodox. Like I was still changing ideas of what I thought about the world. And I would hope that's still really different than it was when I was 20. But those are all things that were a part of me. And similar to the, the parenting versus the work, like there was a time in my life where I was figuring out what it meant to observe the laws in the Torah and and what that meant for me and so there was a time where I wasn't doing all these these things that are my interests that are totally permissible but just weren't so like accepted or normal it wasn't the right time in my life to do those things like I lived in Israel for a while I did run there I think that was part of it like I did have a rabbi there I was like I gotta run like I can't sit in your class all day and not run and in Israel now there's people running there's races it's like very very active have you heard of BD Deutsch have you yeah seen yeah totally she's okay. been on my sister's podcast and I've totally yeah. watched her journey so tell us a little bit about her she's kind of broken the mold I mean she's amazing she's running covering her hair her sleeves her skirt and trying to make the Olympic team for Israel so really really incredible and inspiring to people and she has broken down so many barriers and she had to write to the Olympic committee trying to get the women's race moved to a Sunday and not on Shabbat, like things like this. Like she's really had to be a leader in that space and people have been really inspired. I mean, she was probably like five years old and living in America, but I was running in that same neighborhood where she lived in Harnov. I had a rabbi, ultra Orthodox, like the whole thing, leader of the school I was in and very special man. And I was like, I gotta run. He's like, well, can you run on the rooftop of the cafeteria? And I was like, no <laughs> like like you don't understand I run for a long time I would have to do 200 circles <laughs> on that room so whatever he worked with me and he's like so just don't go at the time that everybody's like getting out of synagogue you know like he worked out a time with me and I just ran and like you'd have Israeli kids like what are you running from or whatever Love it. but yeah he was a big influence on staying true to yourself I had that right from the beginning I feel really grateful to have had that. I was in Neve for anyone who knows the school. So I had that. But yeah, there was a time where I wasn't necessarily pursuing all of those interests, but it was because I was pursuing something else that was my passion at that time, which was like learning every single thing I could learn mm -hmm. that I felt that I hadn't 
learned in school. I just, I love learning. So when I got turned on to being more observant, I really needed to know everything at that minute. And I needed to gather up the skills it would take to to raise a family and, and to be able to help kids with homework. Like I was, I mean, that's where my head goes. Like I'm always like thinking 10 years down the road, like how am I going to help my kids with homework? So I just was really passionate about learning and growing. And that's all I was doing at that time. That was my stage. And then I had kids and that was my focus then. And then after my three kids all two years apart. So after my third child, my son was born, I, I don't remember his first year of life like so well. It was such a blur. A little bit of a foggy time. <laughs> oh gosh, it was such a blur. I was working and I didn't have the right babysitting to set up. And I was like that mom with three kids at the grocery. It was just a crazy year, but that's a year that I got back into running. So there were four years off and that's the year that I got back into running. And, and I think that's a year where everything kind of started to really meld together. Of different parts of your life, like making sense yeah. of it all. That's beautiful. Yeah. And I had time and space for me. Like it doesn't matter what you're doing, but there has to be something as a mom all the time. And I don't have any regrets about those early years. I really enjoyed it, but I think it's much healthier when you have passions and interests and hobbies that you're doing on your own. As my kids have gotten older and they're less needy, like I've been able to really pursue more of that. And I feel less like scared of the future of when my oldest is leaving in a year. And after that, there's two more right after them. And you know, so I feel less nervous about this next stage of life because I've pursued interests and spent time on that. But yeah, I think running was the first thing. Wow. Wendy, I mean, there's so many different passions that you have and it probably took time for you to grow in who you are to feel completely confident in being a little different, even within a community that might not look at you and be like, how many dogs do they have? Yeah. Like, what was going through your mind? I mean, are you a, just a really strong person that couldn't care less? I mean, like, we think we take up some headspace in people's minds. Like, oh, what are they saying? Like, the truth is, yeah, don't care. They're so, like, occupied with their own stuff. Totally. And maybe it's like two seconds of like, hmm, where's she running to? Or that's strange, <sighs> different. And then they're on to the next thing, right? So I'm yeah. just impressed with you that you've been able to always find your way, find your North Star, be true to yourself and not let go of yourself, not let go of what makes you you. It's so beautiful. <laughs> no, I appreciate that. I can't take credit for it though. I feel like I've just always had supportive people in my life where I felt loved and supported for being me. So my mom, I talked to her every day. So I always felt like really supported by her. And I found the right teachers when I was going through these changes in my life. And I felt supported by them to still be me. There's like a lot of rules in the way that we live, but it's about, you can still be who you are, right? If you're not like true to yourself, then you're not supporting, you're not serving your community. You're not serving your family. You're not serving yourself. Hashem makes each person exactly who they are with their interests and their talents and their weaknesses and their struggles and those are all come together to help you reach the person that you're supposed to be. And if you're not true to that, then first of all, you're so boring. So I think that was helpful. I really have had good friends on my journey. We're not 
all the same, but we really understand each other and value where one another are coming from. So that's been really key. Also, when I started running, you know, everyone noticed. <laughs> now I have run with a dog, so I'm really noticeable. And biking was super noticeable. I have this like big yellow trailer behind me. And then I also, we eat really healthy, which is super common, but it wasn't, I'd say, you know, 10 years ago, which is crazy. But in the Orthodox community, it wasn't very common to eat really healthy as a vegetarian since I was a kid. Like that's just unusual. So people started asking me. I think that's why I felt bold enough to be able to just embrace my interests and not be afraid of it because people would ask me questions like, I want to eat healthier and I don't even know where to start. Like I wouldn't even know what to buy. I wouldn't know what to make. So I started food blogging and that really made me feel supported. I feel like your story and your strength just to be who you are is very inspiring to me. You know this about me, Wendy, because we were on a trip together. So, you know, I love dancing. Yeah. I danced since I was a, a young girl. I mean, probably like five, six, seven years old. I was taking tap jazz and ballet. And then I started with Israeli dancing. And dance was always a huge part of my life. Got me through high school years, choreographing dances for the school plays and all that. And then I became an aerobics instructor. And then I had kids. And literally for a decade, maybe 15 years of my life, my dancing took a backseat. And I didn't realize what that did to me because I had let go of something that gave me so much joy. And I just couldn't find place for it. Like I tried different things. Like I was going to hip hop in Jerusalem and at the YMCA and like I was trying, but like it was time, it was money, it was values. It was like, I couldn't prioritize myself in a way. And I'll tell you, Wendy, I, I just got back to dancing three years ago. I found the perfect class for myself and I found the teacher and I just connected with her. And I had this major dilemma because here I was in the community center there's like glass open windows. Anyone could walk by. So here I was, like I went the first time. It was all women. It was like early in the morning. It was all, you know, retired ballerinas and myself. And it gave me so much. And I go in my headscarf. Like, I mean, in a way, it's been so beautiful because I've gotten so many questions from the women. Like, it's so hot. Are you not smiling hot in all that clothing? You know, as we dance and sweat together. And it's just been an opportunity to find my true self what's important to me to hold them all together. And there are ways like sometimes yeah. like to be doing something like you're dancing and you're moving your body. And yet I still need to find my way of being modest and being true to how I want to be to the outside world, even within a room full of people. Like it's just, it's been such a gift of that struggle, the guilt, mm -hmm. I would say yeah. it actually like helped me find my way. And now dancing is not going anywhere. Like this is so right. important. It's really like my right. kids know mommy doesn't make it to her three dance classes a week. Like she's a basket case. Like they're like, go, go. I Amazing. love that. Yeah. It's not like one answer for every person. I wouldn't say that the Rebbitson down the street should go to the Southwest Community Center dance class. She would be shocked, you know, like, right. but for me and from where I'm coming from and what I really, really need as an inspired Jewish woman, I needed to find my own way with the guidance, right. with everything. It's so important not to lose what makes us tick. Yeah. And I think for everybody, like we all have these excuses. So for you, it was this concern about modesty and is this who you are and how do you meld that? And for me, it's like no one around me is doing this. 
can I still do it? You know, and for someone else, it might just be that they have the mom guilt or they're too busy or whatever, but it's that decision that, okay, what do I need for myself? And then like those first couple of times of making sure that you do it for yourself, then it can really become a habit. And then it's not a decision anymore. It's like, okay, this is just what I need to do to thrive as a, a person, as a well-rounded Jewish woman and it, it's really just getting over those stumbling blocks that we tend to put before ourselves. I really think it's important that we all find joy in our life and God wants us to serve him with joy. So if we're holding back a part of our personality or, or something that we love doing for bigger reasons, for our, you know, whatever the case, it's not good. God wants us to serve him with a full heart. And if something, if our Judaism is feeling so heavy, like imagine if you never ran again and never biked and mm -hmm. didn't have these dogs in your life. Like and didn't go camping. <laughs> Just tie it back to the beginning. <laughs> but you did go camping? We go every year. <laughs> We're going next okay. week too. We go a lot. <laughs> Imagine if you didn't do all these things yeah. that make you guys so unique and so special. It would be, it would be so sad. And I also see you, Wendy, as a light in your community and in the world. And I see how just you living your life and doing what, what makes you so happy and so vibrant, it, it mm -hmm. kind of has this ripple effect on, on the people around you. People notice it. People are attracted to happiness, to joy, to fulfillment. And when you mm -hmm. live your life so fully, other people say, wow, you know what? Maybe I could also have permission to live my life so fully. That's really sweet. Thank you. <laughs> There's probably more to say. I'll just tell you guys, I know Wendy said that I've lived in all her favorite cities. I mean, we both actually lived in Harnof, Jerusalem. I mean, we didn't know each other back then. A place where we could grow and learn. I mean, totally. That's it's what I needed. Yes. But Portland and Boulder are a little more me. <laughs> So yeah, I can totally see you there. And Wendy actually has an amazing blog called Granola Docs, where she has all the great recipes, healthy, mm -hmm. like I saw whole wheat sugar cookies. Like I, my kids would flip if I would do that. I'm going to try that. But it's like- Oh, mine don't even know what regular wheat is. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. So much to learn from you in, in our community. Wendy, I just see you as being such an amazing, positive light. Definitely mutual. <laughs> yeah. I mean, just- a note on Chicago. I do think it is more open and there's room to be yourself in a lot of spaces. It's the only Jewish community I've lived in, so I can only speak to this, but there is a lot of room That's here beautiful. as well. It's different pockets, right? You have Skokie and yeah. all different communities. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure other people, maybe they don't feel like that, but I definitely have felt room to breathe and grow. I'm really grateful to have gotten to get to know you over this past year and I was kind of like, where have you been all my life? I know, that's, that's how we felt. Met you know, when I, trip, I saw you so. with your feather, so can I tell you what was going through my mind? So we had an event here um, where I brought in someone to do fairy hair. like shine. Oh yeah, like right? the silvery. Yeah, mm -hmm. so I, of course, so like I was the first one in line, right? And then <laughs> I had her put them in my wig. Everyone was having them, you know, done in their hair and I had it done in my wig. And the next day, so cute, my youngest son, he said, mommy, what is in your hair? I said, you know, Shalom, when women get older, some of them get gray and some of them get shiny. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. We're going to end. If there's anything else you want to share, or maybe you'll share how people could find you or find your work. Yeah. We talked about work at Life Balance, but not so much about my work, which is fine because all I talk about normally is my work. So this was a good break to my work day, but I'm at Sparker Marketing and it's Sparker without an E. 
So I'm on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter and I have a podcast also. So, so amazing. Well, I hope our listeners will seek you out, will find you, and hopefully soon we'll be dancing together again in Jerusalem, you and I. So I just if it's okay, yeah. I'd love to end with something that I wrote about a year ago. It's yeah, called, I want to hear. Thank you. It's called Standing Out. This was actually published in the Nashim magazine. So it's a women's magazine. Now it went online. You can look it up. So it's called Standing Out. I tried to fit in for so many years until I realized I was supposed to stand out. Don't overshare, I was told numerous times. But this was the hardest thing of all, for I knew deep in my core that my strength lied in my vulnerability. So many messages, mixed messages, messages from the outside drowning out the sound of the inner voice, finding balance, making mistakes, standing up tall and trying again, accepting myself for who I am. Be relatable to everyone, but be distinguished. Go with the flow, but make a difference. Be real but never let your guard down. Be modest, but be powerful. Don't make waves, but change the world. So much to uphold, sometimes the bar feels too high to reach. Impossible to please everyone, but why do we care so much? Are we pleasing God? Is he proud of our work? Are we being true to ourselves? Different strokes for different folks. We have Sarah, the matriarch who stayed in her tent teaching us about the value of modesty and the beautiful traditional path for a Jewish woman to follow. And then we have Devorah, the prophetess, who blazed the way. She sat under the tree, the palm tree, judging, advising, and serving the Jewish people in her own incredibly powerful way, possibly breaking the mold. I assume she got lots of kickback, but that didn't stop her from doing her holy work and bringing her unique light into the world. Every person has a unique gift to share with the world. Some will lead quietly and others will make a splash. One is not better than the other. Both are needed. Be yourself and not someone you are not. Follow your gut, listen to your intuition, your God-given bina yitera. That's like your extra intuition that was given to women. Let your heart lead you. Embrace what makes you different. Listen to your inner voice. Find what makes your heart sing. Celebrate what makes you unique. We are not all meant to be the same. Our gifts and talents are meant to be utilized and enjoyed. The world needs every last contribution. At the end of your life, God will look at each soul and ask that famous question, how come you weren't you? Let's aim to be the most authentic self possible. So I ended by asking the question. So <laughs> that was beautiful. Thank you. What is your strength? What gift did God give you and how will you use it to leave your mark on the world? So those are the questions I want to leave our audience. And thank you so much. Thank you for coming out, Wendy. And thank you everyone for joining us today. We hope to see you back here soon. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you, everybody. Thank you for listening. We value that you are a part of our community. Be sure to check out our other podcast episodes and to learn more about the work that we do at Inspired Jewish Women, please check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and on our website at www.inspiredjewishwomen.com. Notice that we use the word woman and not woman in plural because Jewish women are most powerful when we bond together 
And we together can create amazing, positive changes in the world. Bye for now. Hope to see you again soon so we could continue this conversation.